Voices of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church in Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. Our Sunday worship is on site and online at 9.30 a.m. And you can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any popular podcast platforms. This week, Pastor Jordan brings us a sermon titled, Everything Everywhere All at Once with Purpose. Scripture comes from Colossians 3, 9 through 14, and is read by Katie McGuire. Okay, our scriptures for today are Colossians 3, 19 through 14. 9 through 11. Don't lie to one another. You are done with that old life. It is like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you've stripped off and put in the fire. Now you are dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item in your in your new way of life is custom made by the creator with his label on it. All the old fashions are now obsolete. Words like Jewish and non-Jewish, religious and irreligious, insider and outsider, uncivilized and unclothed, slave and free mean nothing. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is included in Christ. 12 through 14. So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you, compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline, be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and as completely as the master forgave you, and regardless of what you put on, wear love. It's your basic, all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Thinking of the sermon today and the scripture that was read by Katie, uh, I was thinking of a movie that came out recently called uh, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Maybe you've heard of it. It won Best Picture. It was the first time in a while that a movie I really liked actually won Best Picture. Um, and But not a recommendation either because um, I've had a few people that have watched it and they come to me and they're like, have you seen this movie? And I said, yeah, it's like, one of my new favorite movies of all time, and they're like, it's really strange. Uh, So it it is kind of, I like to say this movie is kind of like an ADHD movie. It moves really fast, and it has a lot of things going on. I mean, the poster is kind of a a glimpse into that. But in this movie, uh, the main character, Evelyn, is stuck. She feels like she's missed out on life, that she's gotten to a place in her life where she looks back and she thinks about all the ways it could have been different. Whether it's fame, fortune, or simply a better kind of life, she is feeling like she isn't where she is supposed to be. She owns a laundry mat with her husband, uh, Waymond, when we meet her in the movie. She's overwhelmed with dealing with the taxes for the business. Her, her father is in town, a uh, very judgmental father, hard on her. So she's dealing with that. Uh, she's also dealing with a strained relationship with her own daughter. And so she's in a place where it feels like things are just not right. And through a series of events, she gets pulled into a multi-universal adventure, getting to see different versions of her life and what could have been. I think we can all relate to Evelyn in some way. We've probably been in our lives at some point feeling like, this isn't what I expected out of my life. This isn't where I thought I would be. Maybe it's because you you went into a vocation that was way different than what your interests were. Maybe your family doesn't look exactly like you thought it would as your kids grow up. 
We can relate to this restlessness or feeling like we're not enough or have done enough and wondering about our own personal purpose and calling in this world. Graduates, you've been facing this question for a while, this question of what are you going to do after school? What do you want to be? What school did you get into? Have you figured out what you want to do yet? A lot of questions around your purpose and calling. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves to have it all figured out. I think especially with uh, seniors and teens in high school, there's this pressure to figure it all out before you graduate. And that puts a paralysis on us of not wanting to choose because we don't want to make a mistake. It's too important of a decision to make a mistake. Adults, sometimes we all get wrapped up in our own vocations. Our vocations become our own identity. And so when things don't go right in our own vocation, then we start to question our own identity as well. Everything we do is defined by our success in that vocation. Retired folks, there's often a crisis of identity once you retire. The thing you've done for so many years is no longer there, so now, who are you? Some can retire well, and others are more restless because everything you've poured yourself into is no longer your identity. That calling and that purpose has vanished. I think our culture really has set markers of what we think gives us purpose, and I think these are kind of some of them. I think markers of purpose in our culture come from production, getting things done. How much do you produce? What do you make? Have you gotten it done? Marker of success, which is often measured by money. Uh, people can see somebody driving a nice car and be like, they must be successful. Or popularity, fame, and status that you have, they must be successful, they must be doing something right because they're popular and have a high status in our culture. So these are kind of the markers that we have. But what about general Christianity? What about Western Christianity? I think the purpose we often hear is, is exactly this. The primary reason you exist and the reason you have been saved by Christ is because, because God wants to use you to accomplish God's mission in the world. That's the general message we get through Christianity in the Western world. The Sky Jitani, who was the author of the book we went through during Lent, uh, What If Jesus Was Serious, he, he makes an argument that this, this purpose that we're given through Western Christianity actually stems from paganism. Give you a definition on that for, to help you out. Paganism uh, covers kind of a broad spectrum. Sometimes Christians use it to call things they don't like. It's a word they can use. Paganism is humans were created to serve the gods, and the gods were deficient in some way, and so they needed humans to help uh, fulfill the mission that they had in the world. So you can see kind of the, the, the sameness of the two, that somehow with this purpose we're given through general Christianity that you, your purpose is to serve God so God's mission can be accomplished on this earth. Somehow that's saying that God is deficient in some way and God can't do it without you. But certainly if we worship a God that can do anything, God doesn't really need our help. But God wants our help. 
we do this in different ways in Christianity of, of kind of feeling like we have to do these things because if we don't do it, people won't know God. If we just put up the Ten Commandments in a classroom, it'll stop school shootings. If we just put prayer back in schools, that will solve all of our society's problems. If we just ban certain books, that will set people straight. It's the belief that if you put an amulet around something, it's going to bring blessing, or if you put it someplace, it's going to bring cursing. We treat it kind of like that. It's assuming that God is so unaware that if you put up a sign in a classroom or center of a town, it's going to make up for all the other injustices that community has done because God's happy that we put up the sign. It's the view that we have to help God do something in this world. That's where we currently are in Western Christianity, kind of a slightly mixture of gospel and pagan view. And I think that's where the church in Colossus was, as we read in our scripture today. They found themselves in a similar situation. Paul's writing to them, well, some argue Paul didn't write the letter at all, but uh, Paul's writing the letter to Colossus because they're mixing pagan beliefs with the gospel. They, they're believing in a favored nation. They are creating an elite and spiritual intellectual class in the faith. And there's some weird stuff going on. And it's because this church was largely Gentiles, and so there wasn't a lot of Jewish influence in it. So Paul's writing to them and reminding them what is important. Some of the pagan beliefs that they kind of created uh, in creating a class structure and purpose for its followers, it, it was anti-gospel, it was anti-Christ. They're using a lot of astrology. Astrology was a big thing then. They were using that. They made a big importance of demonic spirits that all of the natural world was filled with them. Trees, creeks, even in the wind, demons were in that. So they were living in this, like, demonic haunted universe. We could see that sometimes today as well. Christians get a little, uh, we get a little loose with using the demonic word. Sometimes we use it to describe people or groups of people because then it's easier to treat them as non-human. So that's what's going on with the pagan beliefs. Another heresy, what was going on for the Colossians, was that they were clearly, clearly saying that something more than Jesus Christ was needed to defeat these powers of the demons. So they also began worshiping angels. They even limited food and drink. They'd say, touch not, taste not, handle not. It was a heresy which was out to limit Christian freedom by insistence that all, by using legalistic ordinances. They're limiting the gospel to a chosen few, those who agreed with their thinking. Those were the ones that became elite. They were the elite spiritual and intellectual class within that church. They're trying to create a purpose and calling that just wasn't there in the teachings of Jesus. They're creating something different. It was more about themselves. Stephen uh, Charnock, who, who was an English Puritan Presbyterian a pastor who lived in the 1600s, he said this, Self is the great antichrist and anti-God in the world that sets up itself above all else. 
So when we're only thinking about ourselves and our purpose and our calling and everything else, what's good for us and what we want, that becomes the ultimate thing. And God ends up a little bit below it. So Paul is seeing them, seeing this church, these Christians, slip back into an elementary faith instead of maturing together. They're slipping back into something else that we have left in the past. Paul knows this well because Paul uh, was Jewish and he knew the Jewish faith really well. And he didn't want to see them slip back into legalism. So he gives them this one simple solution. In this uh, part of the scripture, it says, So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic, all-purpose garment. Never be without it. So he lists these different characteristics that we should have as Christians. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline, or self-control is another word used for that. Paul's saying it doesn't matter if you're elite. It doesn't matter to God if you think you're elite in the faith. It doesn't matter if you think you're more educated than others. It doesn't matter what kind of food or drink you consume who is in and who is out, what matters is the character of Christ. That is your purpose, that is your calling, above all else. Paul shows that God's love and grace have gone out to the whole ends of the earth, that there isn't just one favored nation or group. It doesn't work that way in God's economy. The great basic Christian virtues are those which govern human relationships. This is all about relationships. This is how you treat others. This is how you treat yourself. God is a God of right relationships. And that becomes our purpose. It's about Christian community. Don't be like the pagans and think God can't accomplish God's mission without us because God can. But God is inviting us into it. God wants us to be in relationship with God by clothing ourselves in compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, and discipline. Because more than anything, more than helping God accomplish a mission in the world, more than anything, we are representing who God is. If somebody sees you and what you do and, and what you care about in the world, they should see the image of Christ in you. I can't remember who it was. Maybe Don can remember. If uh, There's a famous quote uh, that says, preach the gospel uh, and when necessary, use words. Do you remember who? Yeah, okay. <laughs> it was someone. It wasn't me. So that's how we do it. We put on this this character of Christ that people will know God through us. And these are the things that Paul says are important. This is what we saw through Christ. So, let's go back to everything, everywhere, all at once. In that movie, through her multiversal adventure, Evelyn 
uh, discovers the true purpose we all have in this world. Through her husband, Waymond, who she has, become to, she has become to resent seeing him as weak often, in this clip I'll show, uh, we'll hear the words from Waymond from two different universes. You don't have to wrap your mind around it. Don't even try. Uh, <laughs> and, and he's going to be speaking the same thing because his, he knows his purpose. He knows who he is. And so in every universe, his character stays the same. And so, this is what Wayman has to say to Evelyn. Please! I know you're all fighting because you're scared and confused. I'm confused too. All day. I don't know what the heck is going on. But somehow, this feels like it's all my fault. I don't know. The only thing I do know is that we have to be kind. Please, be kind. Especially when we don't know what's going on. I understand you is a person. But I you, if that, that last line just gets you, right? In another life, I'd just be happy doing laundry and taxes with you. Evelyn has had her inner eye open to the purpose of life, which is the relationships we have and how we're to live into compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, and self-control. May you be awakened to this purpose and calling in your own lives. If we put too much pressure on our own vocation as the purpose and calling, vocations can change throughout life. 
But if your purpose and calling is exactly this, to represent Christ in the world, to bring compassion and kindness where there is hate and anger, to bring patience where there is restlessness, that's our higher calling. Have you ever been in a situation where somebody's just red hot with anger, upset about something, and somebody comes up to them and responds with empathy and compassion? It disarms everything really quick. So instead of us contributing to more anger and shouting and hatred towards each other, we should be the people showing compassion, empathy, kindness, humility. That's a hard one often. I think that's a hard one often for Christianity. I think we like to think we have it all figured out. What we know and believe is right, and everybody else out there is wrong, and we need to tell them that they're wrong, and that's just loving. No. <laughs> I mean, when, have, you told, have you been told you're wrong sometimes by somebody, and you just want to be more wrong because of that? <laughs> I know teenagers often do that. If you just, if you encourage them to do something, they'll be like, no, I don't want to do that, even if it's good for them. So it's better if we meet the needs of those around us. To be the Christ in the world. This purpose that Paul has given the church in Colossus is the same purpose that is given to us. The purpose to love others, to be Christ in this world. This, this purpose fits into everything we do, everything, everywhere we go, and for all times, even sometimes all at once. And so, as you go out today, may you remember that this purpose is the purpose that we've been given. To be the light in the world even if people think we're weak. Throughout my life, I've had that quite a bit because I, I really connect with the character of Wayman in the movie. Um, often, a lot of you have said it and, and uh, family and friends have said it. It's like, Jordan, you're just such a nice guy. Sometimes I want to be like, really? Do you think I, I could be mean? <laughs> I could be cynical. I could be all that stuff. And sometimes even from critics or, or I'll just throw my older brother under the bus because older brothers I can do that to, right? Older brothers think, oh, you're just weak. They just pat me on the head, right? Because you're too nice. But really, what Wayman said is true for me as well. No, it's strategic and it's necessary. It's the way I survive. It's the way that I continue to have hope in this world, hope in people, hope in God and what God is doing. Because if I didn't have that, if I didn't have that positive outlook, I would sink into my cynicism and despair. So may you use this purpose in your life. May it create something new in you today. Amen. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you have enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. If you want to know more about New Hope, you can subscribe to our weekly email newsletter, The Midweek Memo, by going to our website and signing up. Friends, 
May you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And may you go and love your neighbor as yourself. Go in peace.